how they engage with these services. The study over several months with Alexander Forbes began with an online survey to hundreds of employed South Africans whose employee benefits were currently being administered by the conglomerate's retirement fund. To talk more about the survey and its findings, we're on the line to co-founder of Rethink Africa, Ayabonga. A very good afternoon to you, Mr. Kawe, and thank you so much for speaking to us. What what made you undertake the study? What were you hoping to glean from it that you didn't already know? Yeah, so the study um, sort of kicked off from a conversation we were having last year, towards the end of the year, around questions of black tax uh, and the impact that that then had on the savings and investment behavior, in particular of young black professionals. But I think what what it then morphed into, which I think for us was a keen area of interest, was how do people really engage with their long-term savings? And also how do we rethink sort of long-term savings in a way that sort of moves beyond a framing that just focuses on retirement savings? And I think that was the real impulse and impetus that led to to us uh, conducting the research with Alexander Forbes. So tell us about the, the sample. How large or small was it? So we used four methods. The first one was uh, we created a sort of ingoing hypothesis that answered sort of three overarching questions we were asking. We then had an online survey to about 400 respondents over a three-month period. We then conducted um, about 20 semi-structured interviews, and we conducted six focus group um, uh, exercises over the, uh, over the three-month period, which um, I think in, in some sort of gave us a sample size of just under 600, um, which we're then able to sort of get some insights to some of the overarching questions we're asking. Just to give you a sense of some of those questions. So the first one was, what is it that people really want from their long-term savings? Um, and, and how does the industry really respond to, the, to those needs and priorities? But also, then the other question was, you know, has the industry's focus on retirement as a key aspect of long-term savings been the, the proper focus? Um, and should we be focusing on something else? when we clearly realized that the industry hasn't really understood people's financial journey in a meaningful way. So um, what were the answers? And by the way, was it just limited to the online survey? Or did you go wider? So we did go wider with the, with the, with the uh, focus groups and with the semi-structured interviews. Um, and what we tried to do, especially with the online surveys, was to actually hone in on a segment which was between the ages of 20 and 38 because we felt that that would be the future of the, of the retirement um, industry as a whole. And some of the things that we found was that, for instance, 80% of the people we had actually polled um, thought that long-term savings were really important, but probably didn't prioritize having a regular replacement income at retirement as much as they prioritized maybe accessing a house, being able to pay for their education, or actually being able to cover the funeral costs of a loved one. Now, just in terms of the findings, what, what, what was new? What did you find uh, that people wanted to... And, and first of all, can people save? Do people save? Well, it seems, it seems that, uh, you know, against the common knowledge, people actually do save. But they probably don't save in the conventional sort of, uh, how do I say, Western um, approaches that we often sort of um, pigeonhole people into. So we found that there's a major sort of use of informal savings um, platforms and avenues alongside people's engagement with formal saving products uh, and formal and save, saving and lending products. One of the other things that we found was also that people uh, were beginning to place a strong emphasis on moving away from the role of their employers um, and actually prioritizing themselves and, um, and in many ways sort of um, new players in the financial services industry more broadly um, as, as the conduit for some of the long-term savings uh, tools and programs that they felt would speak to some of their needs. There was also 
uh, something that emerged strongly was was how you know people felt that the the role of of the um, of the private sector because of many of the restrictions that they placed on savings um, actually got a lot of people into debt who uh, would have hoped that they could get some of the sort of uh, some of the, the capital that they were investing along their financial journey to be able to sort of uh, buy a house, be it through a pension back loan, or be able to pay for their children's education, um, so that they weren't just waiting for that lump sum at retirement, but had been actually sort of um, sort of expending some of the money towards some of their needs during their working life, and not only prioritizing a regular income at retirement. Let's talk about some of the, the perceptions and mistrust of the financial services sector that you also came across. So, I mean, one of the myths uh, in particular was one of the sort of a, a nuclear expenditure. Um, so, so in the sense there was that, you know, in terms of how the, 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 the sector as a whole screens people for financial products, be it retirement, be it risk products, be it sort of uh, other insurance products, there were a lot of assumptive norms which probably didn't hold out in reality. So the fact that people assumed, you know, people were embedded in households where there was a mom, a dad, and a kid actually didn't hold true in the, in the black community where you had bigger spheres of expectation and responsibility, a more communal sort of sense of uh, and conception of family. But then there was also the, the question which was underlying a lot of the policy reforms that had sort of stalled in February where the assumption, which is driven by a middle-class bias, was that people, by the time they retire, have actually sort of completed all of the expenditures, they've paid off their debt, they've sent their kids to school, they've paid off their car, they've paid off their house. Um, and, and so the only real financial need they would have after retirement is a replacement income. That's the focus by the industry on replacement ratios of about 75%, where we're finding in South Africa that only 5% of people actually get to that replacement ratio. All right. so I think so- the industry as a whole needs to really rethink um, where it places its emphasis and where it necessarily focuses. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about the industry policy shifts. What what specifically should occur? So, so I mean, one of the things that we felt should occur, aside from continued debate between the different stakeholders, the private sector, the trade unions, and and, and the policymakers, was this a move away from this bias that assumed that income is king and income is the primary thing that people need, but actually to to an environment where we, if we are all going to annuitize people's long-term savings, how do we then create the enabling le- legislation that allows people to access some of their funds during their working life so that they are able to get the things that they would normally cash out a lump sum to be able to buy? So the house, paying off your debt, paying off um, uh, your children's school fees, which, which in many ways are sort of big, significant outlays in, in someone's life, which because of the low wages that we have in South Africa, people aren't able just off the bat to actually pay for some of those expenditures. So I do think there's a need. Okay. No, that's fine. I actually wanted to end by asking you to please just tell us about Rethink Africa. What exactly is Rethink Africa? So that's what I said. Rethink Africa is a sort of a youth-led policy research and uh, advisory uh, organization. We're a social enterprise. We're a non-profit. um, And we do policy advocacy and research. um, And we also do a lot of thought leadership work around questions of economic and development policy. So I think this engagement that we had over the last six months really sort of fitted into that focus, uh, especially from a social protection and sort of social development policy perspective. And I think, you you know, all of our attempts are really trying to create a robust social protection regime that's able to to provide an effective safety net for, for, for our people. I've always been.